the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're throwing it back to a presentation from MaxLawCon 2019. Matt Spiegel, a former attorney now with Lawmatics, a software solutions company, shares his presentation, The Silicon Valley Law Firm. Don't forget to head on over to the website, MaximumLawyer.com, to register for MaxLawCon 2020 so you can experience these speakers firsthand. Let's get to it. This is a bit of a new presentation for me, so you guys know a little bit about me. You got the, the good intro there. I do believe it's relevant. I'm going to try to go pretty quick through my slides and actually leave a few minutes at the end to just chat, have questions, whatever. I was a lawyer. I was a lawyer for like six years, practiced a lot, then founded MyCase, which I know there are many MyCase customers in the room. Appreciate that. I left that company about three years ago, and then now I'm on to Lawmatics. So um, new chapters, but this is a bit of a new presentation for me. So I'm so used to doing all the practice management stuff. Been, I probably did over 100 presentations over my career there, all based on practice management and all that cloud computing stuff 10 years ago, trying to educate lawyers on that. And I think now finally, especially this group, should be pretty educated on cloud computing. So a little bit of a new presentation, and I'm going to, again, try to go through it relatively quick. Um, also, what I was realizing was that a lot of what I was going to talk to you about, some of the stuff, it's like you've probably already gotten it, rep a little repetitive over the last couple of days, and I don't want to just go over that stuff again, so I thought maybe towards the end, again, we could talk about some of the stuff that you guys want to talk about. So I do want to kind of go over this idea, and the name of my presentation is the Silicon Valley Law Firm, um, and the whole concept here is to try to get lawyers to think a little bit more like a tech startup, right? There are, is a giant difference in the mentality of a business as a law firm versus tech business, right? A Silicon Valley startup. Now, Lawmatics is not in Silicon Valley, but we are a startup in the same way. We're in San Diego, so just a little bit south, but it's still the same idea. And so those big differences, I experienced them. I've seen both sides of it. I've been on the law firm side. I've been on, obviously, on the tech side. I mean, the differences are pretty profound. And I think that there's a lot to be learned from the way that a startup really operates that can be used in your firm. So the prototypical law firm, so I do have a couple of things on here that are really more physical, right? There is a big physical difference between a law firm and a, a tech startup. If you've had the pleasure of going into a tech startup office, you notice this right away. Um, and I remember back in the day, I don't know if anyone ever used to go to the ABA tech show in Chicago. Anybody here 
go or been to the ABA Tech Show. Well, a few years back, they used to do these Ignite conversations, and I used to give those, and I would talk about how lawyers have like the fourth highest rate of suicide of any profession. I don't know if anybody actually knows that, but at least maybe six or seven years ago, that was the case. It's possibly not true now. But one, you know, one of the things I would talk about is like, make your office more like a tech environment. And there's reasons for that, right? You walk into a tech office and you're gonna see a ping pong table in the conference room. We don't have a conference room. A ping pong table is our conference room table. And a lawyer, you're gonna think like, I can't do that because I'm a professional and I need to have a nice conference room, whatever. And you actually can do that. And your clients are not gonna care. They're actually gonna think it's cool. They walk in, they see a ping pong table. They're gonna think that you're more modern, you're with it. And what it does is it just creates this environment of creativity, which, I think most people in this room probably understand that that's important for a law firm, but if you don't, it is, right? Creativity and being a lawyer is critically important. But it is more than just the environment that is created, it's really the business that there's a lot of differences. So Silicon Valley, kind of what is it, right? Well, it's more than just a place, it's, it's an actual culture, it's a mindset, it's the way that businesses are run. It's very tech company-ish, so when I say like Silicon Valley, again, I'm really talking about tech startups anywhere, it doesn't just have to be in Silicon Valley, but that's the obvious place to, to label tech companies with. And, and the most important aspect about that business mentality, in my opinion, is that it's built for growth and for scale and efficiency, right? And those two things can kind of be at odds with each other sometimes. When you're building for growth and you're trying to scale, you can sometimes do so very inefficiently. Tech companies, the good ones, the ones that don't do that well, those are the ones that burn out. Those are the ones that burn through all their money, the VC money dries up, they can't grow and scale efficiently, so they die. But when you can do it right, it's a beautiful marriage and you know, it's a rocket ship to the moon. You know, look, it's, gonna, it's relatively hard. I think a law firm is never going to quite have the same growth hockey stick curve that you talk about as a tech company, but you can definitely get on that growth curve and you can definitely scale, you can definitely grow, and you can definitely do it efficiently. So again, let's just kind of talk about what that business model is. What is that Silicon Valley business model? So what are they? It's high growth businesses, real high volume, right? Just constantly getting customers, leads, everything coming in the door. It's a scalable business model. And you know, we'll talk a little bit about what scaling means, like what a scalable business model means. Because you can, there's a million ways to scale, but some of them are the wrong ways to scale. You can't just, for example, you can't just throw people at the problem. And then measure everything. This is my opinion, the most important thing that you can take away from the mentality of tech firms, of tech companies, and bring it into your law firm, is measure every little thing. And I'm gonna kinda, the last slide, we're gonna talk about that a little bit, about what you can do with it, um, and how to do it a little bit, but measure everything, to me, is the most important thing. So what's a high growth business? Well, there is a, a hyper focus on marketing. The cool thing about giving this pitch to a room like this, is that you guys all know this already, right? You've been, and, and if you didn't know it before you got here, you've been inundated with it for the last two days. So it's good, you understand that you need to have a focus on marketing. But there's also a focus on retention, okay? The, one of the biggest things that we talk about at tech companies, so like at Lawmatics, is churn, right? Churn is the customers that you lose, right? This is like the kryptonite for a SaaS company. So what we are is a SaaS company. Anybody know what SaaS is? Does everyone know what SaaS is? That's pretty good, but um, SaaS is software as a service. So anything that you go online and use, 
and you pay a subscription fee for, that's SaaS. It's just software as a service, something that you're going and paying monthly. So as, SaaS, as a SaaS company, churn is everything to us. If you are losing more customers than you are gaining, one, your product sucks, and two, you're going to be out of business if you're not already. And so not only do you need to keep, you know, you need to obviously have it way low, but you need to have it below a very certain level. And there are all kinds of crazy, cool calculations that we use and metrics that we use. And I'll, you know, kind of touch on that when we talk about measure everything. But retention is something that we really care about. And it is something that you should care about as a lawyer, too. It's not as much that, like, you're going to have somebody who's using you as their attorney and they're going to cancel your service, although that can happen too. It happened to me. I did criminal defense work for six years, and I definitely had people who would fire me in the middle of the case, right? And that's an eye-opening moment. You got to think about that. You want to create an environment where you can keep all of your clients. But when I think about retention for a law firm, I think more about after they're done being a client, retaining them as a relationship, right? And, and making sure that they are somebody who's going to come back to you if they ever have a problem again. They're going to send people to you if they come across anybody who needs your services. That's what I think of when I think of retention for a law firm. And I think it's just as important to a law firm as it is to a SaaS company like us. And systems are critical for high growth businesses. I mean, you have entire companies that are built around providing these systems for a high growth business. Salesforce is like a great example, right? Salesforce is a multi-billion dollar business and it's just built in providing systems for other businesses to go ahead and be high growth, right? So this is one mindset that, again, I think is, is critical for lawyers to have as well. A scalable business model. So this is, the, this is kind of a tricky one, right? So scaling means you got to grow, right? You got to take what you're doing on a small level and now you got to scale it and do it on a really big level, right? Everybody here wants to grow. That means you want to scale, right? But you have to do it efficiently. You cannot just scale a business by like throwing people at the problem or, or throwing hardware at the problem like in our case, right? In our case, scaling has a lot to do with infrastructure, right? We have these little baby servers and then we start getting more and more customers and people start, you know, putting a lot of stress on those servers. Can you scale? Can you grow the capabilities and the bandwidth of your infrastructure in order to keep up with all the customers that are going to come onto your platform? And can you do that in an efficient way? Can you do that so that it's not like a one-for-one -one relationship? For every customer that comes on, you got to spend X dollars, but really, you know, grow, scale exponentially while not increasing the cost, right? And that's the same thing at a law firm, right? You want to know that like, okay, what I'm doing right now, I've got like one person and it can handle 10 new cases a month. Now, if I get another 10 new cases a month, I have to hire another person. And then another 10, I got to hire another person. That is not scaling. What you want to be able to do is say, okay, I got 10 now. I can go up to 20. Then I got to hire another person and that person can get me to 50. And then if I get to 150, I got to hire another person. That's scaling. You know, it's a little bit of hyperbole to kind of give you an illustration of what I mean by that. It, the numbers may be a little different, but the idea is that you can't just throw people at the problem. And again, there's been a lot of talk about processes. It's actually been really cool to hear everyone talking about the different processes that they use and stuff. I'm not here to talk to you about that and the systems that you can use. I'm just here to tell you that this is where you need those systems. It's to help you scale. It's to help you do the things that people typically have to do, but... If you're going to scale a business, you just can't have people doing it all the time. It's just not going to scale, right? You're going to see your business grow, but you won't see your profits grow. You won't see your bottom line grow as much. That's what happens to law firms, what I've seen, 
is they're like, man, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, but I'm not making that much more money. It's because they're not scaling efficiently. So this is something really important, I think, that, that you can learn a lot from how tech companies work because this is how we do it as a startup. You do a lot with a very little bit. And then as you grow, you don't, you don't grow linearly. You kind of grow exponentially. And measuring everything. So this is one of my favorite things. I am a junkie when it comes to data. And we collect all kinds of data and we make all of our decisions based on data. I will literally never do anything in any business that I am associated with unless I can measure it tangibly. And that means people performance, you know, hiring. If I can't measure that, I don't want to do it. Sales, churn, cost of acquisition, lifetime value. I mean, all these calculations that are critical to a SaaS company like us, really cool stuff. And it's really fun because you can get all this data, you can get all these systems that spit out all this data, and you can just start seeing how things are changing over time and how your tweaks are affecting this and affecting that. But I will never do anything unless I can measure it, especially if I'm spending money on it. Like if I'm doing anything in marketing and you cannot measure it, I will tell you right now, and you know, I will challenge any marketer who's out there, and they, they should know this if they're worth anything, but you can never spend any money on anything that is marketing unless you can measure its return, unless you can track how people are coming to your firm. So if you're going to go spend money on Google pay-per-click, great. It's probably going to work. But if you can't track how many people are coming to you from Google pay-per-click, you might as well not do it, even if it works. Because you don't know, then you have no idea what to tweak. You have no idea what lever to pull in the future. You have no idea what's working, what's not working. So you can't scale, right? Everything is a test at first. You go do a Google campaign, you're going to test it. You're going to put a little money in, you're going to see what you can get out. But then there's going to come a point where you're like, okay, I've got to see what's working. And now I've got to scale that. I've got to put some more fuel on that fire. And if you don't know, then you don't know. You can't scale. You're just throwing money blindly into a black hole. Right? And that's, that's what happens all too much with law firms. I've, I've seen it a million times. Again, the good marketers out there, the people that understand, they don't make that mistake. But I just encourage you to really take that step to just measure every little thing. And this does require setup, right? This does require you to put some effort. It requires some systems. Sometimes those systems are pretty complicated. It also could require a lot of brain damage because you're going to have to do some shit on your website that you're going to have to go pull some teeth to get done. Maybe some of you can do it yourself, but it is going to require some heavy lifting. But again, you have to do it. A lot of this stuff can just be accomplished with like Google Analytics, right? Which everybody is aware of. But if you're doing anything more complicated on the marketing side, you're going to need to have a more complicated system that is really going to be able to dig in and give you all the analytics that you want. And I'm talking about, you know, there are two numbers that like actually we give front and center in our product. And it's a number that like most lawyers don't even think about. And it's unimaginable to me. We live and die as a tech company by two numbers, cost per lead and cost per client. Okay. It's pretty straightforward, right? It's how much is it costing me to go and acquire a lead and how much is it costing me to go and acquire an actual client, right? And for us, it's very simple because we need to make sure that we are going to make more revenue than it costs us to get that client, which is the same for all of you, right? But how many of you are tracking those two numbers, your cost per lead and your cost per client? <laughs> There's like one hand. Your entire business is based off of those two numbers. If those numbers are out of whack, you're out of business. If your cost to acquire a client is $10,000 and your average revenue per client is, is $8,000, 
you're going to go out of business. The way it goes. So you've got to measure it. And I encourage you to really get on those two, those two uh, numbers there. The last thing I want to leave you with, collect, learn, and iterate. This is the mantra of any great tech startup on the planet. Collect data. Collect as much data as you possibly can. Collect data about the behavior of your customer during a case. What are they doing? What are the good ones doing? What are the bad ones doing? Like through your intake process, collect data on what makes someone hire you versus what makes someone not hire you. Learn from that data. Understand. Dissect it. Pick out best patterns, best practices, and then iterate on your process. Make your process better. This is... This is everything, right? This is everything to a tech company. We live and die by this. We make ourselves better by this. We do this with even features. We'll release a feature to someone that's crap to our customers, and then we let our customers play with it, give us data, and then we make it better. It's the same concept. And at the end of the day, what you're trying to do with all of this, which I think we've lost a little sight of as lawyers, is you're just trying to provide a good customer experience. I was having a chat with someone earlier about this very thing, and the reality of it is, is you can be a not so great lawyer, but provide an incredible customer experience. And that person's going to love you. You could even lose their case. But if you gave them incredible service, they're going to love you. Whereas you could be the best lawyer in the world and suck at your bedside manner. And they're going to leave you a bad review. They're not going to refer people to you. The client experience is really important. You can see my shirt and I wore it on purpose. This is a Lomatic shirt. And one of our logos on our shirt is more happy clients. But it is for a reason because it's the same thing for lawyers. You just need more happy clients. And using some of these strategies that we use in, in our SaaS companies and our tech companies can really get you there. I'm going to close it down now. And if there's any questions about anything, so how do you, how do you measure that? I didn't plant you there, but you just get lawmatics. That's easy. <laughs> it just solves all those problems. No, you, I mean, you really do need a system. I mean, your marketing person, if you have one, is the right place to start. Because the reality of it is, is they should be able to get you a lot of the way there without much effort at all. And if they're not giving you those numbers now, um, I, would, I, I would question um, like their capabilities or their, the quality um, because these are pretty basic things. You have to be showing your client that what they're doing is working. So if they're managing your marketing, they should, they should absolutely have something in place that can give you the data on how many people are coming, who's coming from where, how many people. And then you can obviously take that data and then show how much money you've made from them or what the retainers have been, things like that. Right? But you've got to have a system in place, and you might need somebody to help you get that system, but you've got to have a system. It's, it's the cost, what you're spending a month for, to bring in clients, and then how many calls or clients you take. And Lawmatics is a good system to do it, but, but start with the mission to do that, and then you're going to mess it up, just like when you roll out a bad thing, and then you're going to get it right over time. Because trying to, trying to get a client to really say how they found you is always a challenge that we know about. What other questions do we have for Matt or about Lawmatics? So this question is about a vanity number, and you're using that on your advertising, so you can't track like which ad they're calling from, right? There are obviously solutions out there for numbers, like using CallRail or something like that that can direct numbers. As far as a solution for the vanity, I don't like. There are some solutions though where you can still use a vanity number, I think, and and somehow track it back to a particular ad. I can get back because I've I've heard of some things that are trying, like some companies that are trying to do just that to help you. Because otherwise, there really is no way other than asking them. But if right? You, if your vanity number isn't tracking, I don't want to. What's the point? I mean, yeah, that's true. Like, uh, it might sound really easy to remember, right? Like, oh, it's seven 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 seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And that's good from a marketing that, perspective. There you go. <laughs> no, that kind of vanity number. Well, 
Yeah, so, but I think there are some things that you can do. I'll con connect with you offline. One more question maybe in the back? I mean, so I can only tell you, again, I, I try not to mention my stuff up here as much as I can. That's not why I'm here. But I can, in this situation, only tell you what we would do, right? Because we have a nice integration with CallRail so that you can map all your marketing sources that you're tracking in Lawmatics with numbers in CallRail. And what I would do, what, what we would do is we would see that call come in and it would still be in, in your system and it might make a suggestion on who that is based on a caller ID or number, you know, data that we can deduce from the number itself. And then you can actually just attach it to an existing customer if we can't match it automatically. Uh, so there is not much you can do there other than make sure it goes into that same system though. So at least you can easily attach it to the right client once you determine who it is. And then at least your source tracking will be there. It'll be locked in. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time. Hey, this is Tyson Mutrix again. And really quick, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Maximum Lawyer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, can you imagine what it would be like to experience this for two days with 300 other insane Maximum Lawyers who are just like you, think like you, believe like you, and have a vision like you? If you'd like to do that, then you need to be at this year's Maximum Lawyer Conference coming up very, very soon. If you don't have your tickets yet, go to maxlawcon.com. It'll give you the ability to come to a place with a whole bunch of people who think like you, believe like you, who see visions like you of what they can create and what they can become. Maximum Lawyer Conference is not just a marketing event. It's not just a personal development event. It's both of those things wrapped into one. And as an experience, it will change your life forever. So make sure you get your tickets. If you haven't yet, go to maxlawcon.com and get your tickets. After you get your tickets, you'll be there with 300 other insane, crazy, fun Maximum Lawyers talking about how to grow their businesses, sharing all of the best marketing secrets, the things that are working today. You've got to get your tickets now by going to maxlawcon.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you in St. Louis.